Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I absolutely adore you. Like, absolutely adore you. You are everything, Miss Gumbleson. Everything. Thank you. Not the OG of the OC. Oh my God, so excited. I didn't know what she was. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, laughing just a little bit to myself. Not not a ha-ha funny, just say, oh boy, here we are funny. Um, you know, last week, I guess I have to say that I lied, okay? Because last week I said, you know, to all my new listeners that like, I don't want to be um, that girl who's just ranting and raving on a podcast. That's not what my podcast is for. Um, and so I promised that I would be fun, but <laughs> we all know what happened. So not feeling too footloose and fancy free. So I'm, I'm of two minds here right now. Okay. First of all, like I'm not equipped to talk about this stuff because I shouldn't have to be right. I shouldn't have to be equipped to talk about suddenly losing my rights as a human being who's capable of carrying a child. Um, because it really shouldn't be a topic of conversation. It should just be like what it is. Everybody should be able to do what they want with their bodies. Um, one way or the other. Right. And yet here we are. Here we fucking are. And I'll tell you one thing right now, Clarence Thomas, you're raggedy bitch. You raggedy, ugly, toad face looking bitch. If I see you, it's on site. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I probably should edit that out, but whatever, whatever. A lot of people have said far worse things than me. All right. 
All right, fine. Um, I'm livid. I'm livid for everybody. I'm obviously livid for how much danger this puts people in. Like, even though I have had my rights taken away, I also have a lot of privileges. I know that there are people who this is going to affect a lot more than me. Should I get pregnant? You know, like whatever happens with my decision, I can do that. But like for now, (laughs) but like, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are not in positions of me and that's always who we need to be thinking about. We always need to be thinking about people who do not have the privileges that we have. And because of that, I'm really sad and I'm really disappointed and I know that more likely than not this is going to be just a slippery slope of just like everybody marginalized losing their rights and losing their protections and that is extremely scary and I don't like it. I am pissed at everybody on either side of the aisle at this point. Um, I feel like I've done my due diligence and voting and all of that. And I'm feeling like not happy and I'm not liking these text messages that I'm getting. And hopefully you guys have seen this, um, clip of this chick in the bikini. Um, she's talking about how, you know, minutes after this decision came down, she got a text from the Biden administration asking them for $15. And she's like, what am I, why would I give you guys money when you guys aren't like, why are you guys using this tragedy as a fundraising event? Like it's really sick. Um, so like, you know, you know, I'm I'm in front of a microphone, so I don't want to keep the I don't want to get too spicy on here, but just know that like ain't shit sweet. I'm not happy. I'm not thrilled, and I would say a lot worse <laughs> if I felt comfortable doing so. So, um, with that being said, you guys like I want to also you know while I have this platform, I want to be able to say the things that mean that I'm passionate about. But I also know that this is like a really hard, tough time for everyone. And I want to add a little bit of brevity to the situation because that's what I'm good at. Like I'm good for a chuckle or two, sometimes occasionally. So if I'm able to do that, I want to do that for me and for all of you. So we're going to do that. You know, I have like a really heavy story in the beginning, but we'll get past it. And we're going to talk about some like really fluffy light stuff um, afterwards. So with that being said, um, I wanted to talk about um, some updates with the Gabby Petito case. If you guys know or don't know, um, I did a couple episodes about that Uh, whole situation last year. And I wanted to talk about this. I mean, there have been, I've been keeping up with the story uh, to myself. um, But I also like really want to be careful about true crime and how I report it and how I speak about it because I know I always want to be like victim minded and sensitive to the family and to the victim and their story. And I never want it to come off like I'm like, ooh, like, you know, y'all know, obviously, you listen to this podcast, you know, I live for gossip. But like, I never want to when it comes down to this kind of stuff, like make it seem like I'm just reporting this stuff because I think it's juicy and whatever. Like, this isn't gossip for me. Like, 
but there have been some um, pretty large uh, updates that I wanted to update you guys on if you had been following the case like I had. So um, if you guys don't know, I mean, I would suggest not to like plug myself that you listen to my Gabby Petito episode just because it was pretty inform- informative. Um, but just as a cliff notes, you guys probably have heard this story last year. There was uh, a girl who went on a trip, a van life trip with her boyfriend, Brian Laundrie. Um, long story short, he murdered her and took the van back home and ended up completing suicide on himself. Um, it, there was a manhunt for him. <laughs> Ironically, or I don't know if that's the word, but like oddly enough, he had been dead the whole time that they had been searching for him. So um, when they found his body, they also found a few personal items, a backpack, a like waterproof pack that had a notebook in it, um, things that he had written, letters, what have you. Um, He had been found in a park that had been underwater for weeks and weeks, which is why the search took so long and why they weren't able to find him until the water had uh, receded. Um, So my thought, my assumption was that when they found these letters, this notebook, what have you, even though it was in a waterproof pack that it would, you know, it had just been in there for so long that they wouldn't be able to read anything or anything like that. I was wrong. So um, on, I think it was either Thursday or Friday, there was a letter that uh, it was Brian's, basically Brian's suicide letter. They had found, there are pictures of it and there's a transcript and I'm going to read that transcript for you right now. Okay. So the letter is as followed. Gabby, I wish I was right at your side. I wish I could be talking to you right now. I'd be going through every memory we've made, getting even more excited for the future. I can't live without you. I've lost every day we could have spent together. Every holiday I'll never be able to play with, and you can't read it again. Never go hiking with TJ. I loved you more than anything. I can't bear to look at our photos to recall great times because it's why I can't go on. When I close my eyes, I will think about laying on the roof of the van, falling asleep to the side of the meteor shower at the Crystal Geyser. I will always love you. And then it says, if you were reading Gab's journal, looking at the photos from our life together, flipping through old cards, you wouldn't want to live a day without her. Knowing that every day you'll wake up without her, you wouldn't want to wake up. I'm sorry to everyone this will affect. Gabby was the love of my life, but I know adored by many. I'm so very sorry to her family because I love them. I consider her younger siblings my best of friends. I'm sorry to my family. This is a shock to them as well as a terrible grief. They loved as much, if not more than me. A new daughter to my mother, an aunt to my nephews. Please do not make this harder for them. This has occurred as an unexpected tragedy. Rushing back to our car to try... Excuse me. This is important. Rushing back to our car, trying to cross the streams of Spread Creek before it got too dark to see, too cold. I hear a splash and a scream. I could barely see. I couldn't find her for a moment. Shouted her name. I found her breathing heavily, gasping my name. She was freezing cold. We had just come from the blazing hot national parks in Utah. The temperature had dropped to freezing and she was soaking wet. I carried her for as long as I could down the stream toward the car. 
a stumbling and exhausted shock when my knees buckled and I knew I couldn't safely carry her. I started a fire and spooned her as close to the heat. She was so thin, had already been freezing too long. I couldn't at the time realize that I should have started a fire first, but I wanted her out of the cold back to the car. From where I started the fire, I had no idea uh, how far the car might be. Only knew it was across the creek. When I pulled Gabby out of the water, she couldn't tell me what hurt. She had a small bump on her forehead that eventually got larger. Her feet hurt, her wrists hurt, but she was freezing, shaking violently while carrying her, excuse me, while carrying her, she continually made sounds of pain. Laying next to her, she said, she said little lapsing between violent shakes, gasping in pain, begging for an end to her pain. She would fall asleep and I would shake her awake, fearing that she couldn't, she shouldn't close her eyes if she had a concussion. She would wake in pain to start the whole painful cycle again while furious that I was the one waking her. She wouldn't let me try to cross the creek that thought like me that this fire would go out in her sleep and she'd freeze. I don't know the extent of Gabby's injuries, only that she was in extreme pain. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful. That's what she wanted. But I see now all the mistakes I made. I panicked. I was in shock. From the moment I decided, took away her pain, I knew I couldn't go on without her. I rushed home to spend any time I had left with my family. I wanted to drive north and let James or TJ kill me, but I wouldn't want them spending time in jail over my mistake, even though I'm sure they would have liked to. I'm ending my life not because of fear of punishment, but rather because I can't stand to live another day without her. I've lost out... It's doesn't it's not like said correctly, but I'm lost out whole future. I've lost our whole future together. Every moment we could have cherished. I'm sorry for everyone's loss. Please do not make life harder for my family. They lost a son and a daughter, the most wonderful girl in the world. Gabby, I'm sorry. I've killed myself by this creek in the hopes that the animals may tear me apart, that it may make some of her family happy. Please pick up all of my things. Gabby hated people who litter. Okay, first of all... <laughs> I, I like it's so unbelievable just like how much he centers himself and makes himself the victim of this and like how sorry he seems to feel for himself and how like basically he did Gabby a solid and he was trying to be the hero and help her and she was complaining that I was trying to wake her up because I felt that she was gonna have a concussion and you know like I did the best I could I thought that's what she wanted but then I made a mistake. You, you thought she wanted you to smother her? Is that what you thought? Really? Like, this is such bullshit. It's so, like, narcissistic. It's so, like, sick and weird and stupid. It's stupid. It's so stupid that, like, I mean, clearly the man wasn't thinking straight, but it's so stupid for you to think that anybody would believe this. Like, how absolutely dare you? It's, it's, beyond it's truly beyond the pale um other things that have come up because of this um are two things that basically like if you didn't already see that letter on his face for the dumbassery that it is um here here's some more for you okay um so apparently there was a second letter a second letter that has not been released yet um I, if i'm not mistaken these Letters are in the possession of Stephen Bertolino, who is the lawyer for Brian's parents. Um, only this letter has been released. 
<laughs> um, and apparently there is a second letter in Stephen Berlino's uh, possession that is another letter written by Brian that has been viewed by Gabby Petito's parents' lawyers that does not, it, it tells a different story than the one he's telling about how, like, he bravely, you know, did this. If I have to go down to, like, my theories of what I think happened, like, clearly this man was abusive. And I don't believe this, like, harrowing story that you guys were like, I don't know, just like, oh, here we are on this hot day. And then suddenly it got really, really cold. And we were trying to uh, cross the creek. And then she fell and I couldn't see her and blah, 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 bullshit. And uh, the other thing of like, oh, I wanted to take her back to the car and she was freezing. Okay. This was a man, Brian Laundry, was a dude who touted himself as like a survivalist, an expert camper, whatever, hiker, whatever, you know, knows all of this stuff, could totally live off the fat of the land if he needed to, right? Um, so why <laughs> would you, first of all, her body was found very close to the road where they, um, where the van was located. So to act like you were suddenly, you had no idea how far you were from the van. Bullshit. I just want to take her to the van, but okay. But you didn't, you didn't. And it was an extremely easy, easily walkable distance. Um, secondly, if you tout yourself as such an expert survivalist, whatever camper, whatever, why wouldn't you think like, to act like, oh, I just didn't light a fire first. That was his only mistake. Like, wouldn't you have had to go back to your van to light the fire, Brian? Like, surely you probably didn't have, like, the flint and stuff, right? Secondly, wouldn't you know, like, she needs to change her clothes and not just lay there in these wet clothes, if that's the case, sir? Like, that's pretty obvious. Um, didn't think to call 911? Didn't think to try and drive back to town. None of that occurred to you. You thought that the best possible scenario was to choke her out. Like, miss me with all of that bullshit. So like I said, there was a second letter that apparently contradicts the first. um, To no surprise. But what is surprising is that apparently um, Brian's mother wrote a letter, a handwritten letter to her son on the outside, they have this in her, in possession. Somebody has it in their possession. On the outside of this letter, it says, burn after reading. <laughs> and there are not many details about this letter. Apparently, you know, they're trying to request a FOIA um, release of this letter. But it basically was allegedly um, Brian's mother offering some kind of assistance with regard to this situation. Okay. Um, there's a very short window of time in which Brian killed Gabby, drove back to Florida and ended his own life only probably a week or so in, in the span of that week, he went camping with his family twice twice and you want to talk about like oh I just I just wanted to like go home and like have some few precious days with my family but all the while you knew that her parents were looking for her you knew where she was and you were 
all you could think about was like a last few good days that you could have. Like, that's really sick. Why would you even admit that? And like the whole like victim centering of, you know, I wanted to have these guys come and kill me, but you know, I didn't want them to go to jail for, for what I did. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Brian. (laughs) How, how nice of you, how absolutely kind and generous of you. Like it, he's sick. He's a sick, abusive fuck. And I don't give a fuck. Okay. I don't give a fuck. Fuck men. Okay. Fuck men. Fuck men and the things that they think they can have so much control over women and what we do and how we're supposed to act and what's okay and what's not okay. And then it's like, you want to have put all these rules on people. And then when things don't work out, then all of a sudden you're the victim for trying to be the, the overlord. Fuck off. Truly fuck off and fuck his mama too. Fuck your mom. Like I understand like the love of a mother, but like, Shouldn't that end your child being a sicko and, and at the expense of somebody else's life? Like what's not clicking? You guys are weird. Every laundry is weird. You guys are weird as fuck. Okay. Okay. So I will be updating you if those letters are coming out because I want to know what that mom said. I am desperate to know what that mother said. And I also want to know what the contradictions were with Brian because I know that they were probably many. Fuck those people, truly. Let's move on. Okay, like, from now on, I promise you guys, it's going to get, like, real stupid. Like, like, I'm, I pick stories that, like, are so fluffy and dumb <laughs> that, like, I wouldn't even normally talk about them usually. But, like, I just need you guys to, like, be distracted by how stupid everybody else is being. Not not Brian Laundry stupid, but, like, celebrities being, like, real, like, uh, are you guys okay? Like, this is real dumb. Like, the celebrities have been, like, really dumb this week, and, like, we really should talk about it. So, let's start off with Amy Schumer, okay? Amy Schumer went on Penn Badgley's podcast, and he's married to Domino Kirk, sister of Jemima Kirk, Jessa from Girls, okay? Oh, my gosh. Time out. So, by the way, on my trip to um, Charleston, me and my girlfriend started um, Hulu's Conversations with Friends with Jemima Kirk. And you guys, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good. But it's like, if you haven't watched it, here's here's why I'm sick, okay? I love something that's really slow. And I don't mind a hate watch. I, it's BBC produced. So it's like, not American slow. It's British slow. Okay, it's real slow really slow (laughs) there's a lot of um lack of uh you know not talking a lot of long lingering stares at each other it's bad i found myself hating every main character (laughs) and i found myself just being like why are you doing this to yourself and yet i did it i did it and i have to admit like the sick bitch i am that after the finale i was like googling what a season two i it was kind of the hate watch of um uh sex life that bad where it's like i hate every second of this is torture but i also want to know what happens so (laughs) if you guys are into that I would check it out. It's on Hulu. Um, so anyway, Domino Kirk is a doula. She's like, you know, helps and assists like after, during, whatever. Loki, I don't really know what a doula does, but you know, I, I know that there's they're helping in some way, right? Um, 
Okay, so Amy Schumer hired Dominic Kirk as her doula, her like postpartum doula, um, after giving birth to her son a few years ago. <clears throat> so she goes on the podcast and tells Penn that she fired Domino for being too beautiful. <laughs> now, I could understand that. I could understand the mindset of a woman who's just like, I just pushed a baby out of me and I, you know, I'm feeling insecure, but it's where she says that Domino was actually really lovely and a part of her family for me. And then was just like, you're too beautiful. I can't have this Botticelli um, angel around me. And so I fired her. Like, What's wrong with Amy Schumer? What's right with Amy Schumer? That might be a better question. <laughs> I just like, I don't remember her being this annoying. Because it's progressed, I think. It, it's really progressed. I put her in the category, and probably because they all came out pretty soon in this like wave of like, um, you know, like raunchy uh, women comedy, like Sarah Silverman, Amy, uh, who's the other one? Um, uh, Chelsea Handler. Um, I'm just shocked that I liked Chelsea Handler the least initially, and yet she's come out maybe as the best in 2022, whereas Amy is just, I don't know what Sarah Silverman's up to, okay? But once, the blackface was enough for me, okay? I know it was like, oh, this is like elevated comedy or whatever. No, I don't care, okay? So, like, fuck her. I don't know what she's doing, but... Amy it seems like it's just gotten from it's gone from worse to worse with her and then she's like talking about how afraid she is of Will Smith and the slap and how it traumatized her and like she's still like oh, oh, what do I do oh. but no fuck that like what's going on with Amy Schumer what's happening don't answer that it's a rhetorical question I don't want to know but like maybe if she could ask that question for herself then I won't have to ask it on this podcast moving on um, Netflix announced that they're going to be doing a series called Buying Beverly Hills with the agency, Mauricio Umansky, Kyle Richards' husband, um, at the helm, along with their daughters, Alexia and the other one. Um, it's going to be on Netflix. Clearly, it's like selling Sunset, the next generation. Are we excited about it? I mean, listen, I'm excited about it in the sense that I saw a picture of Mauricio at the party to celebrate the launch of the show, and he looked hotter than I'd ever seen him. So in that respect, I am excited. Um, my thing is, like, what little we have seen of Kyle's older daughters uh, hasn't been giving for me, so... <laughs> And like, I really like, I waffle with whether or not I like, well, okay. I shouldn't say whether or not I like Kyle. I'm either neutral and she's a non-factor or I cannot stand her. As of now, where it stands on Beverly Hills, I can't stand Kyle because Kyle's a beta. Okay. And that's just my truth. Kyle is a beta really, really trying to be an alpha. And I just like, and I knew this was going to happen once they got rid of LVP, that this was going to happen. Kyle was going to be like, Oh, I'm big fish. I'm, you know, giving and it's not, it's not giving for me. I see what she's doing. She's trying to stir the pot. 
maybe that is the issue for me with Beverly Hills is there's no alpha. There's no like North star for me. And alpha doesn't even have to be in terms of housewives, like a bad bitch or whatever. Like I find candy to be an alpha. Would I say that she's like over the top and gregarious in the way that like Vicky Gunvalson, obviously not, <laughs> but like I find her to be an alpha. Like she speaks softly and carries a big stick. That stick probably vibrates and you can put it in your panties or whatever, but she carries it. She carries it. Um, but Kyle to me has always been a beta and I just feel like nobody in Beverly Hills right now is an alpha. And that for me is why it's not working. Like when they were trying to say, they were trying to accuse Crystal of, you know, getting with the quote unquote winning team or like dropping friends that she feels like aren't as cool or as popular. Um, my question was like, okay, if you guys feel like she's trying to like step on Sutton to get to somebody else, who is she trying to get to? Which one of you? Like, where, where do you think she's going? Because I'm not seeing her like, trying to get one way or the other, really. I mean, I do feel like in the first season, she did kind of side with the OGs. But I think that's more like strategy that everybody should really do than like sticking with the new girls. But I also think that now she gets it. And so I don't understand this notion of like Crystal trying to like climb up some sort of social ladder on the show because who is she climbing towards? Like, I don't see her trying to uh, get into this great friendship with like Rinna, Erica, Kyle. So who is it? Like, if she's stepping on something to get to somebody better, then who's the better one? That's the question that hasn't been answered yet for me. I don't know. <laughs> Because, like, the real tea, if we really want to talk about it, is that Crystal wants the show. There's no doubt about it. But she doesn't need it. She doesn't need it in the way that Lisa Rinna needs this. She doesn't need this in the way that Erica needs it. She doesn't need it in the way that Kyle needs it. Like, does she want attention? Yeah, obviously. But so do all of you guys. That's why you guys have mics on your backs. That's why there there are uh, boom mics above you. All of you guys want attention, you know, like, so let's not act like all of you guys are like these humble women who just stumbled on a show. And like most of you guys are actresses <laughs> and you have like a bottom line. Crystal doesn't have that. Like Crystal can be off this show and she'll still be Mrs. Rob Minkoff. No shade. But you know what I mean? <laughs> like Lisa gets off the show and she's going to have to go back to work. You know, y'all see what I'm, you know. Let's let's talk about it. Let's let's really be honest here. Anyway, this was not supposed to be my conversation about Beverly Hills, but buying Beverly Hills will be on Netflix. Will I watch it? Yeah. Am I going to like it? Probably not. <laughs> it's really going to have to bring some drama. Or like, would you guys, let me know, would you guys rather have a show? Like if we already have Selling Sunset, that's basically Laguna Beach and the Hills, but make it real estate. Would you guys rather have a show that's more focused on the homes? like a um a million dollar listing type of show but just on netflix or do you guys want to see drama too like i i guess i just don't know what it is that they could do that i would find interesting but we'll find out we'll all find out <laughs> um next this was from jennifer aniston this is just a quote that i'm just like what what's happening okay so um 
E! News has given Hailey Bieber a distinction, and that is of the Gen Z Jennifer Aniston. They say Hailey Bieber just gives off clean beauty. She smells good. Everything's always very clean. It's just a light hint of citrus. Everything's just very airy. Nothing's musty. (laughs) Is this a qualification for being the new Jennifer Aniston, a a light citrus scent and not musty? (laughs) Okay. I mean, I know that Haley just uh, released that uh, skincare line called Road, and apparently it's very affordable. I think everything's like $30 or less, a lot cheaper than a lot of celebrity skincare lines. Um, But she doesn't act and do anything, question mark? (laughs) I think she's got a YouTube thing where she like interviews Kendall Jenner. But like, what else? What else we got here? She's not musty. That's it. I'd be so bummed out if people said that about me. If I were Haley, I'd be really like, oh, okay. Well, damn. I I would be really insulted. And I may be insulted if I was Jennifer Aniston, too. Um, Speaking of Jennifers, I'm doing a lot of segues here. Um, I... I, I rustled up the energy to watch Halftime, J-Lo's Netflix documentary. I don't love typically... Well, here's my thing. I often... It's not that I don't want to watch these documentaries about um, celebrities and musical artists. It's just that oftentimes it's not the musical, musical artists that I care about. Like, I didn't watch the Taylor Swift one. I watched the Katy Perry one, like, years after it came out. And I was very bored. I haven't seen the Justin Bieber one. Like, I, I just don't... They're usually just not about artists I really give a fuck about. And respectfully, Jayla would also be one of those people. Just because... It's not that I don't like her. It's just that she's not really a factor for me in terms of her career. Like, I'm interested... I The most interested I've been in her is her getting back to again with together with Ben. But like now I'm okay. Okay. In terms of her career trajectory, I just don't really watch a lot of rom-coms. And so a lot of her career evades me. Like I just, there's just not really a genre for me. So, you know, she's just not really like, I know that she's like a mega Ayla superstar. Like I will give her that for sure. I just don't really care. It's no shade. I just don't really care. Um, but I watched it and uh, <laughs> it was like, it was fine. It was fine. I don't know if we really like got to know JLo. Like it was very curated. I mean, she did give up some information about her mama that I felt like people weren't talking about as much as I thought. Like she straight up said, my mom used to beat the shit out of me. And then her mom comes on and she's like, yeah, I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be an actress back in my day. And, um, you know, I had all these difficulties with Jennifer and she was like the toughest child that I had to deal with. And like, we really got into it. And JLo was talking about how like she, moved out of her house, her mama's house when she was 18 after like a really bad fight with her mom. So I just felt like that was very dark, but then they just kind of like, we're just like, Oh, you know, like it kind of just like was, you know, it is what it is kind of like, that's just, she grew up tough and that's just who she was. Um, so 
the rest of it was kind of like J-Lo touting herself as the underdog. And like, I don't want to be shady, but a lot of the theme of it was like, she's been working so hard. She's been in the industry for two decades and more. And, you know, it was like the lead up. She's doing all this press for hustlers and she's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. And then that doesn't happen. She doesn't win the Golden Globes, not nominated for an Oscar and like how upset she is and all of that. And my thing is like, again, no shade, but like, you know, I wouldn't expect JLo to get an Oscar in the same way that I wouldn't expect Jennifer Aniston to get one, even though she's had like a pretty equally as long career, or I would expect, um, like Matthew McConaughey to get one, you know, like they all just typically don't make movies that are going along the Oscar trajectory. So I don't know if it's really fair to say that she's been overlooked. She just doesn't often create content that goes down the Oscar track. And I really don't like want to not give her credit. That's just my opinion. I did like that. She seems to have a close relationship with um, her daughter at the very least. (laughs) I think we saw her son like maybe uh, three seconds throughout the whole thing. You guys were saying that there were a lot of moments where um, you could see the back of A-Rod's head and like clearly they had to edit him a lot out of a lot of stuff. I only saw him like a couple times, but I also wasn't like really trying to play Where's Waldo. I thought it would be maybe more obvious, but like um, I just wasn't picking up on it except for a couple times. So like, was it fine? Yeah, it was fine. I don't, like, regret watching it, but it was just, like, okay for me. Okay, another absolutely eye-rolling headline came from Nicola Peltz. I don't really... This is, like, I'm aging out of these people, but she is a uh, nepotism rich kid from Florida who married Brooklyn Beckham. You know, David and... and, uh, Pasha's son. They just recently got married. I've been hearing that maybe I should kind of get into this because apparently Nicola has like a shady past. I think her parents are like fully conservative Trump supporting POSs. Um, But also I heard a rumor about her pushing her nanny down the stairs when she was a kid. And like, I need to know more about that. Anyway, um, they just recently got married. Oh, there's also like some rumors that maybe Nicola and Posh don't get along. Victoria don't get along. I would also like to hear more about that because they're apparently like during the um, wedding, she posted a lot of photos. There are very few of Victoria. It just seems like something's going on there. And I would like to know more about that. Like the idea of Victoria Beckham having beef with her daughter-in-law Mm. Delicioso. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, she, Nicola, so, did an interview talking about how um, Brooklyn felt all this pressure to please people with regards to his career. Yeah. You're, I know you guys are all asking the same question. I am. What career? What does he do? <laughs> what do you do, girl? Then the headline, okay, so that's the headline. And then the subtext behind that, it says, before finding his passion for cooking, David and Victoria Beckham's son, Brooklyn, started careers as a soccer player, a photographer, and a model. Oh, well, God bless. Like, these are the careers, no shade, of a child. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, I, I want to be a soccer player and a photographer and a model. Okay, well, great. Like, this is a shit that you can do when you don't really have to worry. And like, you guys know what I mean. Like, it's no shade to any of you guys who are doing those things. Good on you. Because I get most of you um, really worked hard to get where you were and not like a child of a Beckham. Okay. And, and to act like he struggled and he felt pressure. What pressure, bro? What pressure? You don't have to do anything. <laughs> you were rich and you married a girl who's even more wealthy than you. You don't have to do a damn thing. You don't. Nobody gives a shit if you play soccer. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Oh my God. The kids are not okay. And neither am I. With that, you guys, let's take a little break. I want to talk about the first three episodes of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Finally, at last, we're back at Bluestone Manor. I have not felt this at home since before the pandemic. And I know a lot of you guys are going to disagree with me, but I think that Dorinda Medley is a top tier housewife. She's one of my favorites. And if you disagree, you can fight your mama about it. Okay. So far, Ultimate Girls Trip in episode one, season two, we have Vicki Gunvalson, Tamara from the OC, Taylor from Beverly Hills, Phaedra and Eva from Atlanta, and Brandy from Beverly Hills, and then secretly Jill Zarin from Real Housewives of New York, although the rest of the ladies don't know that because she doesn't show up until see, uh, episode two, because over episode one was Yom Kippur and she was at home. So, um... Peacock released the first three episodes on Thursday and I'm literally, I'm just so happy. So we're at Bluestone Manor. We see these moving trucks and all this extra furniture and things that are going to be needed to film at the house for the next eight days. And Dorinda says that she's been preparing for their arrival nonstop for the five days prior to that. And she's already exhausted. Like I said, the girls don't know that Jill's coming. Um, and there's just like a lot going on before the women even get to the house. There's beef, not beef. Like we saw in episode one of season one, where all the girls are like going toe to toe about which franchise is more popular than the other or what have you. It's there's like internal beefs from women on their franchises. And then like franchise to franchise beef with each other. So here's the tea. Brandy and Taylor 
still have beef because um, Taylor feels some type of way that Brandy had made no bones about the fact that she thought that Taylor was trying to hit a lick writing a book very closely after um, her husband Russell's uh, death, suicide. And she felt like Taylor was being opportunistic right that with that season two uh, reunion Brandy and Taylor went, it got into it because she's like, Oh, you know, like you waited like a hot minute to write this book. And Taylor's trying to explain to her like, girl, I was staring down the face of lawsuits, money owed things that I was, you know, having to pay for. And I don't have a job. She had, excuse me, money that was supposed to be coming in from, from Russell's estate never came in. And she had a kid, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to put my kid through private school. I'm trying to figure out like how to make ends meet. Yeah. It might seem a little opportunistic, but like, I'm just a single mom who's doing what I have to do. Okay. I'm, I got a $1.5 million lawsuit and I got to figure out how to pay that shit. So I took the opportunity, right? Um, Taylor still definitely feels some type of way because of that. Um, also Brandy has beef with Tamra via some Twitter back and forth that they got into because Tamra had said on what I'm assuming is probably Jeff Lewis's podcast or something like that, that Kelly Dodd was the, um, the new Brandy and that both of them are unhinged. Now in true Tamra form, she's, tells Brandy I definitely didn't say that or maybe I said something like that but I didn't mean to hurt your feelings like I like you I really like you I just meant like she's unhinged like you but I really like you right so they have beef with each other um and then what else does anybody else have beef with each other I don't think so um so they later Taylor and Brandy have this conversation where you know like Taylor's really pissed off right but she's not really letting anybody see her sweat so she and brandy have this one-on-one conversation and brandy just takes things from worse to worser like i i jaw dropped i could not believe that brandy genuinely legitimately feels this way she was like kept telling taylor who lost her husband that season two the two the season that she came in on was the hardest year for her because of Russell's death. And you're looking at the widow and being like, I had a really hard time. So like you need to extend some grace to me, bitch, bitch. (laughs) Shout out to Taylor Armstrong or whatever her last name is now. Shout out to Taylor for, um, being strong in that because she says in a confessional i'm like way more pissed off at brandy now than i have been all these years not speaking to her and like i just truly cannot believe what she said i couldn't either girl like good on you (sighs) speaking of just backtracking when we see the beginning of like these women in their homes are getting ready for the trip these kids these kids have grown up and i have not had eyes on mr president I've not had eyes on the prince. I've not had eyes on Kennedy Armstrong. Kennedy is 15, you guys. I thought Kennedy was still like getting uh, fake unicorns to her birthday and having uh, Ace whatever the fuck from from American Idol uh, do a custom song for her birthday. Okay? I, I wasn't expecting her to be a whole ass teenager. That was too much for me. Mr. President is 12. Ugh. Still as cute as can be. 
eating Chick-fil-A, talking to his mama with his brother, the prince. And I just like, I just like did not, they didn't prepare me for that. Okay. They're so cute. And I just like, I feel so old. How is Mr. President 12? How? So we find out that we find out that Phaedra and Eva have a relationship back to when Eva was like 17. So they get along and they have a long history with each other. Vicky and Tamara are definitely, you know, they have a friendship, but to me, they weren't giving like the frick and frack energy that I remember them having on the show. The like woohoo, three amigas energy. I'm seeing a much more tame Tamara and I like it. And I hate that I can say that. I don't want to like Tamara, Veef, Barney, Judge, but I do. I, I think I do. Ugh. This isn't this isn't where I wanted to be in my life. I was very comfortable not liking Tamara, and now I have to like her and say that I think that like she's actually kind of good on the show, and like that I think that she would really be vital to coming back to Orange County. I don't want to say that. Why did you make me say that, Tamara? Rude. Brandy and Vicky meet, and even though they don't have beef, they end up ha- getting into it pretty much immediately. Um, Eva is gushing over Vicky. Telling her how beautiful she looked. Okay. But, you know, giving her props, like, you're the OG of the OC, blah, blah, blah. Vicky's like, thank you. Of course, Vicky has no idea who Eva is. Like, I would not expect Vicky to have (laughs) any clue who any of the Black Housewives were. Make no mistake about that. But I'm also like, girl, um, outside of this Bravo world, Eva's definitely much more of a celebrity than you are. So like, let's put some respect on Eva the diva, shall we? Even though I regrettably say that I feel, you know, a slight soft spot for Tamara, I am holding steady with, um, you know, as a candy girl, um, myself, I'm holding steady with my wariness towards Phaedra. I know a lot of you guys are finding yourselves really liking her and I get that Phaedra definitely has like a certain, you know, je ne sais quoi, if you will. Um, she gives really good talking head. She is very funny in the moment and, you know, she's good for like an under the breath quip and I, and I will give her that, but I don't think she should be back on Atlanta. I just don't. And I know that this is a fade response. I know it's happening. I know she's on the show and she's going to get a really good edit or she's, you know, going to behave well. And I know she's also going to be making an appearance on Dubai. I think maybe this week. I also side note, I'm not watching Dubai anymore. So <laughs> I tapped out after episode two. I got nothing. I, I don't care. I don't care. And I thought I would. I don't. Okay. And it's, Caroline Stanberry's husband that ruined it for me, okay? With with his little N-word tweets. I don't care. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. And it's like, yeah, you could say, like, oh, Carrie, you should stop watching Beverly Hills. But, like, you're not my mama, so I don't have to do that. Anyway. <laughs> um, What happens after that? Oh, at, at what point Phaedra compares the fights on Atlanta to being in Kuwait? And that really elicited a chuckle out of me. Um, I also love the like direction of the confessionals because they chose to do it in like what feels like a very chaotic set where they's doing these like on the fly interviews with production and the set design is like just bluestone manor chaos. 
it there's santa in the background there's a bunch of clothes piled up it just like really adds to the energy that must be coursing through the bones of bluestone manor at all times the theme song it's really it's giving murder mystery it's giving clue I can't say that I love it more than Housewives and the Island, baby. Like, that was really a bop. But I see what they're doing with it. And it's like kind of ooky spooky Adams Family meets like old school Orange County theme music. Like the first like do 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 do. You know, you know, you know what I mean. And so for that, like, I appreciate it. But it's, you know, it's no Housewives and the Island, baby. Okay, no feel it, mom. Um, Episode two begins with Vicky and Brandy getting in a fight because Vicky keeps trying to ask Brandy why it is that you keep centering your horrible year around Taylor's situation. And Brandy tells Vicky to shut the fuck up. And then Vicky tells her that nobody's going to tell her to shut the fuck up. So Brandy's drunk. Okay. And she ends up going to bed at 920 on the first night. There are two fights that happen. <laughs> On the first night, Dorinda tells the rest of the ladies she'll probably get married again at some point. And then we talk about Dorinda's sex life, which is like, you know, she's broken up with John. She's not really out there. Her legs are not open. She's not having sex. She's like, you know, I don't miss it. But make no mistake. I perform well. I perform as well as anybody when the lights go down. (laughs) talks about sex is so funny to me i really find it refreshing then dorinda says in a confessional that she's basically like a barbie down there and she probably doesn't even need to wash she can just like put some pledge on it and just wipe it (laughs) there's nothing happening down there um and then she says that she thinks she's going through a dry spell and how she like can't really hook up you know, that she gets emotionally attached to the people that she has sex with. And she doesn't know how to just have fun, talk to people, get slapped in the face with a dick, have a pussy in her face, and then just wake up the next morning and have coffee with the person. Like, she just doesn't know how to do that. And it's like, I don't think many do. Who's slapping you in the dick? Who's slapping you in the face with their dick? Tell me now. And and actually don't, because I know it's John. I don't want to do that. Anyway, um, Vicky's obviously an anti-vaxxer, okay? Like, we didn't even have to talk about it. I don't really want to talk much about this scene because it's, like, just so annoying. And, like, I can't with these anti-vaxxers at this point. She's like, oh, you know, I got COVID a couple weeks ago. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. But currently, on the show, in this moment... Phaedra points out to us that Vicky's been hacking and coughing and dripping and dibbing and dabbing all over this house. And she's been like loading herself with all these uh, vitamins. She's like, Phaedra is like, I was under the impression that everybody came here was vaccinated. (laughs) But here she is, Vicky snippy, drippy all over the place. And like, I just, you know, I don't really know what to do about that. Um, I, like I said, I don't really want to get into it, but let's just say that this um, anti-vaxxer conversation really activated Dorinda in a way that I haven't seen since, um, you know, why don't you, uh, you know, when she called Sonia's uh, vagina the Holland Tunnel, I, I haven't seen her that activated. So now we're at 
maybe all of these women being together for eight hours and Vicky Gunvalson has been cussed out by two of the other housewives. Um, Dorinda announces that the women are going to be doing sound baths, but also getting pedicures. And I knew that they were going to set this up to be like a Jill back at scary Island surprise. Like, hi, I knew that they were going to do that. It was the worst thing to have to relive. (laughs) It ended up flopping so hard when Jill walks up on these women and it was less of a reaction than she got the first time. And Alex got hives that time. You remember she started crying and got hives? Yeah. These women are staring at her. Eva has no idea who Jill is. The two people who are friends with her, allegedly Tamara and Vicky, they don't say shit to her. Dorinda's not saying things because she's waiting for everybody else to react and nothing. And then Jill opens her jacket (laughs) and her shirt says surprise on the front with team Jill on the back. And I just wanted to crawl inside of my body and never come back. I have no tolerance for like secondhand embarrassment. And it really gave it to me in spades. And I just like, I honestly, I had to take a break. I didn't even watch the rest of the episode until the next day. I couldn't take it. I could not take it. I also would be remiss to not mention that Vicky is newly single, like 26 hours in counting single from Steve Lodge Chavez, if you will. Um, so in episode one, there was this whole conversation about whether or not Vicky should give the ring back or just whether or not women in general after a breakup should give the ring back. And all the women were like, yeah, you should definitely give the ring. I actually think it's like a legally binding contract that you should. Vicky says like, oh, I'm definitely not giving the ring back. She doesn't tell these women, but she tells us in a confessional, she paid for that ring. And that like Steve would not have been able to afford the kind of ring that she wanted. And so that's why she's keeping it. My baby. And then in episode two, it comes out that she and Steve had not slept together for 13 months leading up to the breakup. Over a year. And this woman keeps acting like this man was the love of her life. She doesn't know what happened. She's so devastated. They were so good. And Dorinda's asking her all the right questions of like, okay, were you guys happy? Like, or did you just think that you were happy like what was your day-to-day like like last week were you in bed with him thinking that this was like the life that you wanted to live and Vicky was like yeah absolutely and Dorinda's like spot on she's like I just feel like there's something about this that does not feel right and I'm thinking that that thing is probably another woman (laughs) so she was absolutely right about that and Vicky, like, get it together. I know she's been saying, like, I'm just so scared to be alone and I don't want to be, you know, but you are alone. You've been alone this whole time. You just had a guy who, like, was along for the ride, just like Brooks. She honestly should have just stayed with, um, what's his face? With the, with the Tommy Bahama addiction. What's his name? What is his name? Why am I forgetting his name? You guys know her first husband. You guys know who, what is his name? Don, duh, Don Gun. She should have just stuck with him, you know, because like she has been miserable this whole time. And at least like Don had, all Don wanted was a boat. 
you had to get Brooks a whole new set of teeth and pretend like he had cancer. And then you had to pretend to be like Mrs. Steve Lodge, a uh, fake Latin man, Chavez, who honestly like pretended to be a, a Latino for the, for political gain. And I know that like his last name is actually Chavez and like he is Latino, but he was using that when he knows that he presents himself as a white man in order to like get further in his political career. Like that's weird. That's weird. So my thing for Vicky is like, I get that you don't want to be alone. Most people don't. But like, at what expense, girl? Because you're buying your own ring and not even fucking. You're not even getting fucks out of it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. You're not even getting an orgasm. What's, what, what's, what, what? <laughs> girl, girl. The Dorinda says it seems like Vicky's in denial and it's like she keeps putting her hand in the fire and wondering why she gets burned. Exactly right. The biggest part of episode two for me is when Brandy asks the, well, okay, they, they go to this, um, one of the other estates in, in uh, the Berkshires. And we've been there before with the Morgan letters. And we meet the coffee cup lady from a few years ago or from a few seasons back in uh, Real Housewives of New York from like the Carol era. And they're doing this coffee cup tarot or like psychic reading and also having dinner. So when all the ladies walk into this estate, there's like a kitchen that they walk past and Brandy says hi to this woman that we don't see. And then she turns to Phaedra and says, Oh, I think she's a lesbian. <laughs> and it's like people, okay, we let that go. But then once all the ladies find out, sit down for dinner, we find out that Brandy asked the waiter if that's his wife. And she was like, Oh, that's your wife. I thought she was a lesbian. Why on earth would you say that to anybody? <laughs> Why on earth? <laughs> so Vicky and Tamara try to start up some drama and are like, we don't understand why she would say that. That's so uncouth. Like as though Vicky, Vicky Gonvalson is like, girl, th- you're not doing this in the name of gay, right- gay rights. I know that to be true. I know that that's not true. So like, you're just doing this to be messy, which is fair because Brandy did say something messy, but also like, let's call a thing a thing people. So Vicky and Tamara are trying to start some shit with Brandy. They're like, we just can't believe you'd say that, blah, blah, blah. And Phaedra, who has befriended Brandy, is like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to handle this conversation. Um, that way, you know, it's not just people screaming at each other, right? 
So Phaedra calmly goes to Brandy and says, why would you, what is it that made you think that this woman was a lesbian? And Brandy just looks at Phaedra and says, her eyebrows. (laughs) Brandy. (laughs) Girl, what does that mean? What does that mean? Then they ask her in in an interview, like, Brandy, how can you tell who a lesbian is by their eyebrows? And she's like, I can't tell you. I'll I'll only know it when I see it. Okay. And it's different for everybody, but I can tell. So this is Brandy's um, sixth sense. Tyler Henry better watch his back. Um, So (laughs) then Taylor tries to explain to Brandy, like, girl, you can't just say things like that. Right. And tries to call her out. Um, But then Brandy's like, I didn't say that. And Taylor's like, no, we watched you. This man confirmed, the husband confirmed to us on camera that you did in fact say that to him. And Brandy's like, no, no, no. Why don't you just shut the fuck up for two seconds to Taylor? And then Taylor goes straight Oklahoma on her ass. And she's like, Brandy, don't tell me to do that. You little fucking bitch. (laughs) I mean, she really, really got activated. And Brandy just in true troll form is like, I can't even be paying attention to what Taylor's saying because all I can think about is that meme with the cat. And you know what? She was right. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. Um, so episode three, the ladies go in town, they go shopping. Tamara confronts Dorinda because she feels like Dorinda's being wishy-washy with Brandy. Like one minute she's mad at her. And then the next minute when people come for her, Dorinda's like on her side and defending her and being like, Hey, you know, back down. But Dorinda's trying to explain it, I just feel like Brandy's really vulnerable and that when you guys come up again, like even though she says the wrong things and she's dead ass wrong, when you guys gang up on her, it really feels like ganging up. And I just like, I feel sorry for her and it just doesn't seem like necessary. Right. And it also feels like Vicky's just like waiting for the moment to bite Brandy's head off. And Tamar and Vicky are like, no, Tamara, Vicky would never do that. That's not her MO. She would never just come for somebody. But but then Vicky says in a confessional, I'm up to here with Brandy shit. And if she picks a fight, she's going to have to deal with me. So it kind of does seem like you do do that. But okay. Vicky is sick. She's sick this whole time. Coughing, itching, sneezing, achy, cloudy head, fever, the whole thing. Um, and she keeps getting sicker and sicker until the production medic shows up to check up on her. And when the medic's like, first of all, Vicky's like a full hypochondriac. She's like, do I need to get a steroid shot? It's like, okay, that shouldn't be just like on top of mind for you. You know, <laughs> like it should not be like something that happens to you so often that you just do this. Um, so they're like, yeah, we're going to take you to the urgent care so you can get a shot. And Tamara's like, Vicky, I'm, I cannot go to the hospital with you again. <laughs> okay. Every time we go on a trip, every time we're on this show, every season, something happens to you. <laughs> and I just, I can't go to the doctor with you one more time. I can't have you like being wheeled out with that, uh, Victorian ghost sheet over your body. I, you know, I can't have you screaming because you got too drunk and slipped in Puerto Vallarta or whatever. Like, I just can't do it. And this is the parts of Tamara that I really love about her. I shouldn't say love. I, I enjoy. Okay. Um, so while she's gone, all the girls are getting to know Tamara more. And Brandy's like, gosh, guys, don't you think that Tamara's like a lot more 
enjoyable. Don't you guys think she's a lot better without Vicky? And Tamara pulls up on this conversation and she's like, no, 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 I don't think that's true. But then she says in a confessional, actually, I hear that a lot. Like a lot of people said that they like me a lot better without Vicky. And, you know, it's a lot of work to be around Vicky. <laughs> so I I want a a separation do I need Vicky back with Tamara on Orange County? No. I want Tamara by herself. We have, because was Vicky, uh, there were like two of these last seasons of, of Orange County that I haven't watched. So I'm not really sure if Vicky, if Tamara's last season was without Vicky. I don't think it was. I think they were both on together and they got fired together, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, also there was a very funny conversation in episode one about Dorinda announcing to the other girls that she had been put on pause, um, per Andy's words with regards to the show that she was just going to be on pause for one season and then she'd be back. And all the girls were like, Oh, interesting. And then we get like one by one reactions of like, okay, well I got fired. They said I was fired. I didn't, they didn't say anything about pause to me. I think she was fired, but she wants to use this word pause and like, okay, girl, but like, let's be real. Everybody else around this table has been fired. Okay. <laughs> so make no mistake. Um, Brandy and Dorinda have a lasagna competition. Um, Brandy admits that her lasagna involves lemon, Cabernet, and sugar. And I'm not sure at what point in the recipe these happen. She said something about, you know, you need acid, um, sugar to cut things down, Cabernet. And I'm not even like opposed to any of those things being in a lasagna. It just, the way she spoke about it and the way it looked wasn't giving for me um then brandy brings out some inflatable penises and somehow the topic of conversation uh gets to ass play and dorinda says that at 58 years old not a single person has asked her to engage in ass play and she hopes that it doesn't happen they've not even used those words and i would like to tell you dorinda that like listen i know you've had a lot of uh um probably long nights with john that you don't remember but i know an ass man when I see one. Okay. And I could look at John's sweaty moppy face and see a man who's definitely asked you engage to act to engage in ass play at some point, probably several times. I don't think you remember, but I think it's happened. Okay. With that, you guys, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to seek some more peace rally up so we can keep on fighting, keep on rocking in the free world Hope you guys find some way to find your own peace and deal with the absolute bullshit deal that we've been handed in the past week. Um, we got to fight. We got a long fight ahead of you guys. So get some comfortable boots. Let's do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for speaking.